What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, I have Tom Continuity, I, uh, also from, from another, his most recent project. You guys will know him from the Vintage News, which just made a comeback. We're all super stoked about that. Tom, you, you know, the trip you took with us to LA, I have to say, was like one of my favorite trips to the Rose Bowl, at least in the last few years. Uh, oh, yeah? That was... Yeah, dude, it was fucking awesome. It was you, me, um, Sean, Avantini, Loco. Loco. Yeah. Uh, and it was just a fucking riot. So many laughs that weekend. <laughs> that was so, sick. I really, um, I really want to come back because, like, I had such a good time. Like, I would even just work for F and Frank again. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate that, man. But, yeah, it was, it was great having you there. And uh, yeah. welcome to the show, dude. I'm stoked to have you on. Thanks. I've literally listened to like, I want to say almost every episode, if not here. Nice, dude. Um, So, you know, I kind of ran through some things in the intro. We got lots to cover today. I'm excited to chat. You know, also, you were in the mastermind group I didn't mention, um, which was a program we ran at the beginning of COVID. Uh, we can chat about that a little later, but just to kick it off, let's like let's kind of talk about how you entered the world of reselling, the world of vintage um, from the beginning, man. Um, so like I wasn't a like big thrift shopper. I would go like like that, um, but it wasn't until uh, I actually broke my back, compressed my spine. It's not as bad as it sounds. Um, when I was snowboarding and, uh, I was laid up in bed for a while and somehow stumbled across round two videos, like a lot of other people. And then yeah. just binge that on YouTube, um, just like in bed, like popping Percocets and stuff like that. Uh, and it, uh, that was like a great time. <laughs> one of the few things I remember from those two weeks. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I was like, I was leaving my job at a skate shop and, um, or my part-time job at escape. And obviously one full-time job wasn't enough. So I was like, wait, why don't I try this out? And, uh, five years, four or five years later, here we are. Nice. So, um, we will, uh, you know, you obviously had some other jobs cause it was just recently that you finally quit like your career job to sell vintage full-time, right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I guess that's a good place to start, really. Uh, what was it like? So what were you doing, first of all? What was your job? Uh, so I was an estimator for a home builder. Um, basically, like, I would figure out how much it cost family um, complexes. And then I would monitor the budget and, like, kind of go over cost overruns. Um, pretty much, like, the uh, construction money uh, for a uh, green builder in Calgary. So I was doing that full time for about seven or eight years before I quit this break. How, so how long was it that you knew that eventually you wanted to be doing this full time? I mean, probably like a year. In, honest with you. <laughs> like I, I, I really wanted to, like I, I worked in a, in a skate shop for a while was always like pretty obsessed with like fashion and streetwear and all that stuff. Um, so that's why I, I, got, I got a skate shop question when okay. you were working in the skate shop, this, so this was like what you said, like seven years at this one job. So you're talking like eight years ago, you're at a skate shop. 
yeah, eight or nine years ago, and then I worked there for like six years, I think. Wow. Okay. So, so the beginning of when you started the skate shop was like two thousand and five. No, 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 no. Two thousand like eleven. Okay. So, what brands were popping when you're working the skate shop? <laughs> Diamond Supply was huge. Um, we're in Alberta, so we sold so much RDS. If you're familiar, shout uh, out Dragon RDS. Supply. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> it's like big, like. Call it what you want, but it was like rig pigs coming and kitting themselves out in RDS. Um, we carried like the hundreds was super huge when I first started there. Uh, we had a palace account for like a tiny little bit before they took it out of skate shops. Um, yeah, those were like the huge money makers. Yeah. Yeah. RDS is funny because like back in the days, you know, I'm talking like end of the 90s early 2000s when slam city was still in vancouver and slam city was like going off and it was the big the big like uh you know international contest that it was rds was so popping it had a crazy team and uh Mm -hmm. it was like very core and then somehow i don't know when but it just kind of like morphed into this thing that like central canada just fucking loved (laughs) yeah that's where all the sales were coming from like i don't even you probably can't even find it in many skate shops in the lower mainland i mean you probably can but it's definitely not as popular um no i mean there are central distributions out of there and like they have like a cool little place where they like sell rds but i mean they probably have grown and i mean (laughs) don't quote me on this but they've probably grown to hate their customers if i was to guess because if it's a bunch of core guys and then you have like these like meatheads essentially, you know, that's your big customer that kind of. <laughs> yeah. It went, it went to like, uh, like, you know, MMA vibes or like it just changed yeah. vibes. And I think that happens to companies sometimes. And it's like, you, you have control to a degree, but to a degree you don't have control. It's like things are going to work the way they're going to work and go the way they're going to go. No. And honestly, RDS was such a good, when we were booking it, Cause we all hated RDS, right? Like we were like a bunch of core, like little skate kids and, uh, we're booking RDS and we hate the whole line. Right. But it's like, you, you know, a big hoodie with like the chenille RDS logo on it. You're like, God, I'm going to have to order 60 of these, aren't I? <laughs> and you do. And they sell out and then you call them and you're like, can I get more of those? Like it was just, it was nuts. Wow. All right. So back yeah. to the, um, Back to your life and your other job, and then you're you're working this job. Obviously, you, you said you knew that you wanted to do this full time at a point, um, mm-hmm. and bring us into sort of because you you have a store from from another now in Calgary, partnered with another mm-hmm. guy from Edmonton that had a from another in Edmonton. Uh, give us a story of how you guys met, how that came to be. Man, it was like. So like happenstance and I felt like it happened like so quickly, but, uh, I used to sell bulk to, from another, um, and the guy who owns it, uh, he, you know, we would message, it was strictly like, what do you got? I was sending him a thousand pictures, be like, this is kind of what I want. He would go, I'll take this, this, and this super good. Um, we always like jump, but it was strictly business. And then I was at a, I was vending at a market in Edmonton um, over December and he, he comes to the booth. He says, hi, grabs a bunch of stuff. 
And he's like, Hey, like I might message you. Um, I'm looking at spots in Calgary and I kind of wanted like a Calgarians. It's a good place to go. Uh, so I was like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, hit me up anytime. I'm an open book. It's like, whatever. And then kind of like, I thought about it for a second. And then I was like, you know, if you need a partner, like that's something I'd be interested in doing. Uh, and he was kind of like, Oh yeah, actually that does sound kind of good. Um, and uh, we sort of like chatted a bunch, like uh, leading up to Christmas. And then he's kind of like, I'll hit you up in the new year. Um, I was kind of like, okay, cool. If it happens, it happens. And then uh, right in the new year, before I go back to work, he's uh, he's like, hey, like, yeah, if like you want to do it, we can start talking about it. And I still kind of had cold feet at that point. Uh, like a big jump. And um, uh, it's like a lot, it's a bigger risk to take, obviously, to leave like a really cushy sort of, job where like I didn't do all that much and I was paid pretty well um and then uh I got back to work if, if, if your job is listening he didn't do very much and you overpaid him but okay he's gone yeah <laughs> I, I, <laughs> no but I got back uh, in January and um it's just like I don't know you leave you come back from holidays and it just sucks you're just like oh my god I'm here again like like I was like, like I can't I can't be here any longer I can't sit in this office like things are just piling up um I'm just like not enjoying this uh at all uh so I was like yeah sure let's do it and uh we kind of hashed out the deal back and forth over a few weeks and then I was like hey cool let's sign uh we had a spot picked out already and um yeah I just kind of put in my two weeks and that was that okay so this is the question I picture you like rolling into the office. You're like, okay, guys, that's it. I've had enough. Fucking flip the table. Everyone's lunch goes flying. Fucking you. Peace. I'm out. <laughs> so you can be for truth. <laughs> <laughs> I was okay. very cordial. I was very nervous. I was like, I was like, hey, um, can I talk to you? And it's like, when you, when you go into someone's office, I don't this is super office talk. When you go into someone's office and you close the door behind you, pretty serious move. You know what I mean? So I closed the door behind me, kind of sat down. I was like, Hey, um, and they knew I, they knew that like I'm in a store. Cause we kind of like, um, the like projections, like, what do you want to do in five years? What do you want to do in 10 years? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, if I'm honest, I want to open a store. Um, uh, that, like a year or two ago and I was kind of like hey like I have this great opportunity that kind of like fell into my lap like this is my two weeks essentially and they were like you're doing the store and I was like yeah I'm doing the store and then yeah they were like super good about it they weren't mad like I was a little disappointed but I mean who isn't disappointed when an employee a great employee leaves <laughs> yeah yeah I feel yeah it's funny like um there's two kinds of leaving, right? There's two kinds of employees leaving. I mean, there's lots of different kinds of employees, but when you, I just had somebody leave and they were like, I just got my dream job. I studied like animation. I'm going to work for like a studio. Right. And you're like, cool. Yeah. You're like, that's great. Good for you. But you're also like, I can't, there's nothing I can say. I can pay you everything I have to stay. You're not going to stay because it's like, you studied this. This is your passion. You're going to do that. Right. And that's kind of where you were in the same boat. I'm a you know, like you said, yeah. but then there's the employee that leaves. Cause they're like, this fucking place sucks. You guys don't know how to run a business. <laughs> you guys treat your employees like shit. That one, that one's yeah. harder to handle. 
Yeah. Well, and it's funny because that was actually the second time I left because I moved to England uh, like three or four years ago um, to go with my fiance while she was doing. And uh, so and then they eventually called me back to like come back to the job. And I kind of like not begrudgingly, but I took it back because it was like a good move at the time. But yeah, it was kind of like I felt like um, Ben Wyatt from Parks and Rec, if you're familiar, how he like keeps accounting firm that he goes to work for. Yeah. Totally. Oh yeah, they're like so so stoked to get him back every time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. As excited for me, they're just kind of like, "Oh, cool, Tom's here again." <laughs> <laughs> so, how's everything been going? Like, did you said you signed? Did you guys actually create a contract? Yeah, we wrote out a contract. It was like just with like because I'm like a an employee as well as like a shareholder, essentially. And then so we kind of like hashed out how the details work in terms of like, you know, what is profit look like, um, you know, we're going to try to hide profitability because then we pay less tax. If you're the CRA, stop listening. Um, just like, uh, I, yeah, love just how, like stuff I, I love how like, did you actually put that in the contract? <laughs> CRA, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, that's interesting. So I'm learning here. I don't. We don't need to obviously know the details of your of your of your partnership because that's private information. Mm-hmm. But um, so you say you're an employee and you're also a shareholder. Is it a corporate entity? Yeah, it's a corporate entity. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, first off, congratulations are in order. I'm super happy Thank for you. you. I think that's fucking rad. Um. And, you know, so first of all, give us the rundown on from another, like, you know, I know what it is, but for the listeners, like what type of vintage store is it? What do you guys sell? What's the vibe? Uh, Sneakers, streetwear and vintage. Um, I'd probably say it's like 30% sneakers, maybe 60% vintage and then 10% streetwear. And then we do a buy sell too. So uh, it pretty much like round two, you can kind of come in with your stuff, plop it on the counter. I'll go through piece by piece and then we'll uh, sort of, you know, we can trade something like offer you store credit or we can offer you cash and uh, you can go on your merry way. Nice. Yeah. And how has it been going? Are you happy? <laughs> it's good. No, no, I am like, it sounds so dumb, but like, Man, like op- we open at noon every day, and like, like little morning break in the is like so great. I'm just like not a morning person, so that already like makes my day better every time. But then, uh, yeah, going into somewhere where like you're not dreading it, like every day is something new. Um, like I'm I'm not super well versed in sneakers and some like you know higher end streetwear, so like I've been learning a lot, um, which is always something that's enjoyable for me too. Um, the buying aspect like it's like you buying and some guy brings in a duffel bag uh it's like it's like you're doing uh you're just like running comps on like 40 things as a person's like staring at you in the eyes right so it's uh you're also kind of um negotiating but you're um you know sussing out social situations with that person which is something that i didn't expect which is actually like kind of enjoyable once you get comfortable with it yeah you can gamify it like in your own way right like yeah did you did you play that right did you play that one right you know 
Yeah. yeah. You like feel their vibe. You're like, is he willing to let this go for pretty cheap? <laughs> so when you, when you do the buy sell trade, do you guys have, you have like a guideline that you run by that was already created? Uh, kind of, there's nothing like in stone, like, Every, so uh, the other partner and the the manager from the Edmonton store actually like they're really good at it. They've been doing it for let's like let's get some names so so we can give them the shout. I give them the air horn like the bomb hole, but I don't have one. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so Keaton is the other partner, and then Dan, shout out Dan, the Edmonton uh, uh, sick guy. He uh, and Keaton also super sick, obviously. Uh, I met Keaton. <clears throat> Keaton's a great guy. I, I vouch. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, they're both like super, like, they're just like on top of it. You know, they're not only like they're running, not running, but they're like, have a great handle of the situation every single time. Like, you know, when pairs are fake, when, um, you know, there's stuff that we don't really want that we would normally say that we'd buy, but like, you know, there's all these like different situations that come up They're They're both really good at like handling them. And also like, basically speed running price comps is, uh, is another thing that they're both great at. Like you almost get this encyclopedia in your mind, um, of prices you'd pay for certain things or, you know, what we can get more for compared to what the market's at, stuff like that. Yeah. You obviously have the the background in vintage clothing. It wasn't sneakers or streetwear. So were, did you want be comfortable with like the vintage buying straight away? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like, like you probably do. And maybe some of the, you know, you can pick up a vintage to go, this is a $20 tea. This is a $30 tea. This is a $60 tea. Like I can do that pretty quickly. It's when you get into the higher price stuff or like the super specific stuff that things can get a little more challenging or, um, sometimes like the online market is way different than what we would do in store. Obviously like, you know, there's no way I could sell an afterhood for two grand in the shop ever. Like for example, that's an extreme example, but like yeah. stuff like very specific things like that. Like, <clears throat> like I could probably never sell, I don't know. So a guys, sound Tom's garden. buying afterhoods for 10 bucks. He's going to sell them for 20. <laughs> just if you have any, bring them to the store. <laughs> yeah, please. I'd like to just touch one if I could. <laughs> yeah. So, and also, you know, I, I, I know you, obviously, like I said, we're friends. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I know your style. You don't just, you don't, you're not like, you know, you sell t-shirts, but you're not like, I wouldn't consider you one of the t-shirt nerds. Like a lot of the guys out there right now, you mm-hmm. also sell other kinds of clothing. You, you know, you're into your outerwear. You have a cool collection of, um, Calgary 88, like Olympic gear and, um, mm-hmm. snowboard stuff. So is your, is your store, give us the breakdown of the vintage in your store. It It is still a lot of t-shirts. Like that's what, you know, the general population has really just gravitated to vintage tees. Um, yeah. And the nice thing is men and women too, right? Like girls will buy a big t-shirt. Um, you know, we sell a lot of vintage sweatshirts as well. Like even just like normal uh, vintage blanks, like a triple A blank, we can sell all day. Um, we like pants are really great in store and I sell a ton of like Carhartt, old Levi's kind of random cargoes and stuff. Um, cause you have a place to try it on. Um, I always had difficulty selling pants online. And then the other big thing is just like Carhartt jackets. Like I could sell you know, Carhartt jackets all day. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you see? It's very interesting and it's like a pretty standard model, not, not to take anything away from what you're doing, but it's kind of standardized now, like in these, in the model you're doing, which is the sneakers, the hype and the vintage, like tees, sweats, Carhartt for sure. Maybe some of them don't do pants, but there's commodities that will come and go, right? Like the Carhartt thing is a trend right now. Eventually that's going to die. Who knows how long, but eventually it'll go. Can you like, do you see anything, uh, any other commodities that are like looking strong for potential in the future that you might carry? I mean, we've been doing, I've been thinking about getting into leathers again. Uh, maybe even like uh, casual blazers. Because um, I've been seeing a lot of like, Lots of girls uh, and women are usually ahead of the curve on fashion. You know, we're almost getting into that 80s as blazer with rolled up sleeves again. I've been seeing that a bit. So that and like leather trenches and just like leather jackets in general. Um, there's a great store in town, actually, Roadrunner Vintage. Shout out. Uh, um, <laughs> Airhorn. Uh, they do that sort of like grungy biker sort of vibe really well. Um, so maybe I won't do leathers and cause they already do it so good. I don't want to <laughs> try to catch up, but, uh, I could definitely like blazers specifically being something that yeah, yeah. a lot of people are looking I love when things like yeah. blazers come, come into style cause they're actually readily available. You can go get them. Extremely. Knits like, big, this is, I'm, yeah, like knits, like we're probably a little past that already, but God, I could never sell it in the last like three years but all of a sudden you know over november to january like everyone just wants like a nice big like crazy pattern knit again for some reason yeah totally knits are great yeah. <laughs> um so uh back to the shop talk here let's talk about like the process of opening your store this is very interesting to me okay the process of opening so I, I think i think a lot of the listeners were really like vibe and want to know about this you had never done it before this was your first brick and mortar right mm-hmm. obviously you had the experience of your partner um who you know had done it before so he helped you through it but talk us through like the process of literally start to finish opening your brick and mortar things that maybe you didn't think about that were like hurdles or that came up that were maybe annoying or harder than you thought, or like, just give us the the rundown of how that experience went. Uh, like lots of things that like before you even get into leasing a building or even looking at leasing, you kind of got to figure out like, okay, what am I willing to pay per month on like a spot essentially? Like what, do, what do I think is feasible? So you kind of first like have to build a business plan and kind of like set expectations. Like, I think this is about what I could sell per month, which would net me about this much profit, which would leave like a roll and enough for rent. So this is kind of like what I could afford. So you, you do all that, which was like a whole itself. Luckily I didn't have to do much of that. Um, so did, and Keaton, then did, he, did Keaton do that for you? <clears throat> did he have one? he sort of had a place in mind already. And like, he, like based on like the numbers and what we talked about, like we were pretty com, we were very comfortable. We ended up renting cause it ended up being affordable. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, like Keaton sort of figured that all out. Like he was already planning to open a store in Calgary. So he sort of had it kind of all the numbers sort of set in mind, um, <clears throat> to do any of that. But <laughs> when I was looking into it myself, um, that was like, you know, the, the first big step essentially is understanding, you know, this is the competition, you know, how much am I going to be able to draw in myself? Blah, 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 blah. So he figured yeah. that all out. That's, this, this is like you know, a lot of people probably jump in without really putting it on paper. They'll kind of like mm -hmm. run some numbers in their head and go like, yeah, I think this is going to work out. Da, 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 da. It's very important to like put some numbers on paper and really look at the expenses. There's always going to be more expenses yeah. than you anticipate too. So whatever you put on paper, like add a bunch because there's going to be more. Um, and I mean, and then some people like, yeah. sorry, uh, some people like, if that's like how you want to do it, you can still be successful that way. Like I've seen people, you know, they just jump into it because they're confident and they'll figure it out, and then they do because like you, you're kind of put up against a wall, so you have no choice, right? Which is another viable way to do things, but I'm not confident and very risk averse, so that is not how well, I want to operate. Yeah, I agree. Like that's how I did it. To be honest, that's how fucking we did it. Um, yeah, we had no plan in the beginning ever. We just were like, we think this is going to be cool. Let's do this. And then we figured it yeah. out. But coming from someone who's done, been there, done that now, I would say try to be planned a little bit um, because mm -hmm. I had a lot of years that didn't go very good or as good as they could have gone potentially. Right. Yeah. The other thing is like you're in a buy, sell, trade model, right? I wanted to mm -hmm. do this before, but did, are you getting 100% of your stock? through the door right now um i would say like 80 so we're the first buy sell trade in calgary too so we've had a huge influx of people bringing stuff in um and do you think that yeah. is like an influx that will slow or will continue do you think it's going to be sustainable we'll probably have to eventually like go back to wholesale buying wink wink um but uh <laughs> um for now like we're just kind of rocking with it um we were thinking of doing a big wholesale buy just before the summer hits so because it's going to be crazy busy and we won't have time to go do that um and you always like we would just want to be like have stock on hand ready you know if we have too much that's fine but you never want to like run out of stuff you know what i mean yeah, you can never you can never realize potential. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So cool. So let's continue. So you were talking about uh, your location, and everything else. Keep going on the opening the store. Oh yeah, yeah. So then you like kind of like figure out a location, uh, and then you have to like meet with like a leasing agent, which sucks because like there's like that it's almost like a realtor for for renting, which is really annoying. And then like you kind of have to like do deals through them, and then they get a cut, and then you have to figure figure out all the legalese around like what a commercial rent is like because you know there's up costs which are like not part of your monthly rent but you still have to pay them monthly or quarterly depending on what the contract is like there's all these you like little have things to pay first and last and security just like yeah, a you got apartment i guess sometimes depending mm -hmm. yeah which on a ten thousand dollar lease or whatever puts <laughs> yeah, you in the hole already you know what i mean i mean i'm not assuming yours is that much but some of them are and I mean, and, and then, then the, the other, other thing you have to think the, the, the op costs you're talking about are like mm -hmm. 
uh, property taxes. It's TMI, they call it, right? Which ends up being like property taxes and, um, and I don't know, it could be strata, could be a few other things, but that yeah. those costs can fuck you because those costs, like in Vancouver, the property value goes up so fast that the TMI goes up so fast that like my TMI is like outweighing my rent at a point because, um, just because of property taxes and the landlord always wants to dump the property taxes onto the leasee if they mm-hmm. can, which is kind of standard. Which is weird to me. Like when I heard about that, I was like, that kind of seemed, but that's just the way things are. So people kind of accept it. Totally. Yeah. Okay, but so uh, yeah. Step? Uh, next step would be, uh, then you got to figure out your reno budget. Cause like no space that you, go into is going to be, um, you know, completely like perfect for you. Right. So you have to at least put up fixtures, which are like your lights and your racks and stuff like that. You need a till. Um, and if you're going to do a big reno, then you got to get a building permit, um, which is like a whole nother debacle in and of itself. You know, it takes like a few weeks to get the permit, then you got to get it, then you got to do inspections and it just, it adds timeline. So, then you're thinking about, okay, well, if it's going to take me three months to reno, I'm going to have no income for those three months as well. On top of paying someone to, um, to fix up this place for me. Did you guys negotiate like a free rent period or anything like that hmm. for, uh, no we did not. We actually sublet the space that we're in currently. Um, it ended up being a pretty sweet deal. Um, so we had to cover all the costs ourselves you know, in the long run, it's probably going to be cheaper than it would have right leasing it from, uh, the building owner. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I mean, a, one strategy there is to negotiate. If you're going to take a five-year lease on a place, typically a landlord will give you like two, three months free rent. Cause they don't want to, they don't want to help you renovate, but they'll rather give you free rent period to renovate, which offsets your costs. Uh, that's kind of what we did on a, on a couple places, but yeah. So could you talk about your budget? Like, is that private or like, what does it cost, uh, what does it cost or roughly? I, so I will say, so uh, Keaton, my partner actually has a, another business, which is a renovation company. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's small, but, uh, but um, you know, we were able to steal one of his guys kind of for like a month and a half, essentially. And, uh, this space was already like the, was pretty good. We had to like, I think we put up, uh, like a new change room and then moved the till and then just like redid the floors and kind of like cleaned up and stuff. So, and then we had to put shutters on the front door, which if you're in a high risk area, um, security is not cheap. So shutters on the front of the, of the glass there. Um, which ended up caught being like a third of our total budget, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's expensive. Like when you look at the the big money items, it's like floors are expensive. Did you guys do polished concrete or what did you do? No, we just put down a, uh, um, what's the word? It's like a paint that goes on your driveway. Yeah. Okay. So like heavy duty, like, yeah, heavy duty paint, yeah. which is obviously like the cheaper option. But if you're going to put down like a laminate or like a a, pro, a real floor, that mm-hmm. could be like minimum like ten bucks a square foot or like eight bucks a square foot or something. Yeah. Lighting is expensive. Obviously, you said your security gate was expensive. Mm-hmm. 
typically like fixturing racks is cheap. Your front counter can be relatively cheap, but um, yeah. yeah, things like that. Some there's definitely some expenses in there. Um, I, then, obviously, I saw you in there working on it yourself. Everyone says that, but I actually didn't do any work in there. <laughs> really? I like cleaned up and stuff, but like all like honestly, hands down to like Marshall Green Door Renos, shout out. Um, he like did all of it pretty much himself. I like cleaned up and like helped him move heavy things, but that was about it. Were you already <laughs> had pre- quit at the time, or were you still working? No, I was still working, and then by the time I quit, um, I was like doing like setting up POS systems and like cleaning up racks and like hanging things and price tagging things and all that jazz. Okay. Okay. So let's continue on next steps. You've, you've done a reno now you're like prepping to open. Um, how was setting up POS? Are you guys barcoding? Are you guys going like, you obviously, you, 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 yeah. Can you talk about like that process? I mean, uh, so with a resale shop, don't quote me on this because it was only told to me. It was I didn't figure this out myself. Um, but uh, Square, or we run Shopify, then Shopify doesn't like you using their checkout system if you're a resale shop for some reason because you're not a like you're not a Nike licensed vendor, you know, something like that. So then we use Square uh, terminals to like take all the money. I don't know if this is like this for you. I've never heard that. That's so weird. So what you're, yeah, because shop, this is a interesting topic. Shopify, it's essentially your own website or your POS. It could be either. It could be both combined. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, there's like this argument around um, control of your own business. If you're on eBay, you don't control shit. If you're on any of the other reselling platforms, you don't really control shit. You can get kicked off at any second. I've heard people get kicked off Shopify too. Shopify controls you. So even though you think you have your own website or your own control over your business, you kind of don't because, you know, they're still subject to all the same licensing shit that all those other websites are. So -hmm. they can kick you off at any point, really. And we've had items and infringement stuff happen with Shopify over the years, never to a point where we got kicked off or anything. So Mm -hmm. that kind of makes sense to me. But I've never like, again, when it's a POS they don't actually know what you're selling. You know, you're not, there's no picture of it there. Or do you take a picture? Uh, well, so we use, uh, for a website as well. So like all the, our, our entire item list is on Shopify essentially. Um, so, you know, you have like, uh, Nike shoes and like, um, you know, anything vintage. So like vintage, uh, like Jean Paul Gaultier or something like that, like that would still exist in Shopify, but the payment is taken through Square. How come you didn't just go with like like a Monaris TD merchant thing or something? That I'm not sure of. So this is just like how they ran it, and I wasn't going to ask a ton of questions if I'm honest with you. They were like, this works, and I was like, I know how to use Square. This is for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. And I mean, is Monaris – I mean, not to get into the weeds, but – are the fees the same on Monaris versus Square? 
Like in my brain, I'm assuming they're cheaper. That's why I was wondering. But I again, oh. like I'd have to look. This is all crap. You look at it like once and then you forget about, right? Um, <laughs> you made the decision. You don't think about it again. Yeah, you're like done. And then you get a call from like a bunch <laughs> of people trying to like resolicit you, and you're like, I don't care. Later. <laughs> <laughs> what about the stocking of the shop? So. Uh, your partner came to see me, like, I guess pre-opening and, you know, I did a, Mm -hmm. he did a big buy with me, bought a bunch of great vintage and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously was he buying all the stock up in, up in Edmonton to like preload the store? Yeah, essentially like, uh, he'd been stocking up, I think for a few months. And then in January he was kind of like, you know, we should save like some of the best stuff or is like, what kind of things should we be looking out for? to stock in Calgary and I kind of gave him a few items. And then when he came and saw you, I was like, you know, we should be looking for this type of stuff. I think it'd be great to, you know, um, we should tease like a bunch of like grateful dead teas. You know, those were kind of popular uh, with the customer. Bit. So, uh, we got a bunch of those kind of things like that. And then same with shoes. Like, you know, we just kind of were able to acquire like some of the best releases that had just came out in like full size runs, essentially. So, you know, you attract, you know, you kind of tell the public, you're like, look, you're all looking for this. We got whatever size you need. So you better stop by when we open sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now you open the doors. Um mm-hmm. Was it pretty instant? Like the word got around your, your daily traffic was like solid off the bat. Yeah. Like, um, luckily we had like the strength of the Edmonton store and people had like been driving up to, you know, driving from Calgary to Edmonton, which is a three hour drive, um, to shop the Edmonton store. Cause there wasn't any like sneaker streetwear vintage stores in Calgary. Well, there's a vintage stores, but none of the other two. And, uh, so we had kind of a bit of a customer base in Calgary and then, um, but we kind of did a series on our Instagram kind of like showcasing us building the store. Um, so like to kind of like get people hyped up, sort of like have join the story about like how we're building this new store, um, which gave us a lot of new traction in Calgary. And then, so opening day was great. We had like a big line and did a bunch of steals and all that stuff to get people in the door. But, uh, I second day we were opening some like random girl filmed a TikTok, like, Oh, like new sneaker store in Calgary. And then it got like a hundred thousand views or something crazy. Um, no idea who this person is. Shout out to this person, whoever they are. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, shout them out. Cause they like for like three weeks after that, like people were like, Oh, I saw you guys on TikTok, Like, this is so cool. I didn't know you guys were here. And I was like, okay, awesome. That's great. <laughs> That's fucking awesome, dude. Sick. <laughs> uh, oh, well, well, it sounds like uh, it's all working out. So, and then how about staffing and how about like um, all that? Like how big's your crew at the shop? Uh, so at Calgary, we have four staff. Yeah, four staff. Um, and it, it's kind of like people that I knew in the vintage community, um, already, um, sort of younger folk or younger than me. Uh, but, uh, just guys who are either, you know, um, one was kind of full-time reselling one just graduated or finished school. So he had time 
Um, and I was just kind of able to convince them to come work at the store, which was nice because they're kind of homies. And I, obviously you're in there like five days a week. Is that the vibe? Uh, yeah, I've been there like six, seven days a week. Um, but uh, now that we're kind of settled, um, a few of them are like a bit more comfortable doing the buying, which is kind of like the, the biggest aspect because that's, you know, you're letting money out and you could be giving guys for a pair of fake shoes, which I have done already. Um, <clears throat> uh, it's, it's something that uh, we want to make sure that our staff are trained on and they're getting pretty good at it. So I've been taking a, trying to take a little bit of a step back. Sweet. If you can start yeah. taking a step back and you've only been open for like a few months, then you're, uh, you're laughing. I mean, I'm just there five days a week instead of seven. So it's yeah. not huge. <laughs> I want to know about the buying a little more, you know, that's, that really intrigues me. So we at Ephes and Frank Vancouver built a buying mm-hmm. counter in 2009 and <laughs> all we got was total shit and uh, nobody brought anything in good. So we ended up shutting it down a few years later and we never really ran it properly. It didn't really pan out for us. My dad has mm-hmm. done it over the years and it's been decently successful, but his stores were more like buying kind of everything. And it, anyway, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I've talked to other people who do this model and they, you know, it seems to be good. You're running on like lesser margins potentially, but you're saving so much in like, I mean, maybe, maybe you're not, and you're running, you're running, um, you know, you're saving all the labor of potentially like people out there running around trying to find the stuff, which is mm-hmm. a huge cost, right? Like the cost of your garment isn't directly linked. If, you know, if you, if you go to freaking some flea market somewhere and you buy mm-hmm. a shirt, sure, it's five bucks, but like how much time did it co- take you to find it? How much gas did you spend getting there? Like those things are, are expenses, right? So with you, it's like it comes in the store, so you don't have to have that. Um, you know, I guess my question is like you obviously have you, – you're putting a lot out to acquire that stock on a daily basis. Do you have days when you're like we spent more than we've made? Has that ever happened? Oh, yeah, big time. Like, okay. you know, you get a <laughs> – like you get a guy and he brings in, you know, uh, three pairs of the Union Dunks. Um, you uh, might not know, but, but uh, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to have to give this guy like – 12 1400 bucks you know and it, depending on how the deal goes sort of thing um yeah. so you get like four of those guys in a day and you're already like five grand in the hole for the day um that so that does happen and it's not i i try not to oh we had a negative day you know what i mean like i try to think about it like okay well you know upside on these items that we will make eventually when we have those slow days where maybe we sell, you know, 10 amount that we end up taking in. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. It, it does happen. And it, it kind of, you'll, you like, it stressed me out at the beginning, but you sort of watch it flow back and forth and it, and it all like you, you slowly see that profitable and it is, it is growing over time. And has the Calgary market been strong enough to basically sell all those high-end items? Or have you do you have to like at some point be like, it's been in the store for two months, like we gotta go throw it on StockX or something? 
that does happen and it, it, like so for the first time this week essentially or probably next week but some shoes have appreciated in the time that um you know since we've bought them essentially so you know maybe the StockX payout is actually like you know well above what we paid so we kind of get a big win there or maybe sometimes you know we'll take a little bit of a loss on it but it's still money in and then we can use it on something that will actually sell in the store so you kind of take a an ouchie there but you, you you make it work yeah and i guess you know it all plays together as part of the puzzle where something might bring someone in the store that buys something else too. Right. You know, I think that's part of the game where, you know, people love to come in for hype things, but they're not always spending a thousand dollars on a pair of shoes or even 500, but they might Mm -hmm. walk out with a $40 t-shirt, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, just like the amount of people that just come in immediately walk over to the shoe wall I'm Travis Scott dunks. Look at the price. Show their friends. Like that happens twice a day, every day. You know what I mean? They, 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 they're like, oh, I'm holding these in my hand, which is like, that's kind of nuts that you're holding this. Like, so what is the price? Thousand dollars. <laughs> we have our size eight. <laughs> we have our size eight Travis Scott dunks DS at twenty seven hundred dollars Canadian on from another .ca. Okay. Hopefully they yeah. sell when this podcast um, drops, so we'll see. <laughs> that would be so sick. Um, <laughs> but the, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is we do also offer store credit, so like trade, essentially, for the items that come in. And that's where you start making better margins because um, you're kind of uh, – I always forget the word, but – you know, if someone trades in three pairs of shoes for one pair of shoes that you're not going to make a ton of money on if you get cash, well, then you're increasing your margins on those three pairs of shoes essentially um, when they actually will sell for cash because they're a low item. Yeah, fully. Because yeah. you're, you got a shoe for a price and it's at a retail, but you're trading it off at the retail. So there's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's always a trade up, trade up, trade up, trade up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when you look at like your sales from your store, obviously we don't need numbers, but like um, what percentage of the pie? So the pie is broken into three pieces. You have vintage sneakers and streetwear. What percentages of the revenue roughly would those three make up? In So I, I'm just going to speak for Calgary because I don't numbers quite as well. Yeah, these can be uh, like off say, the dome, rough numbers, whatever. Yeah, I would probably say vintage is about. Uh, if I were to guess, I haven't looked for a while. I would probably say vintage is probably about 60 percent. Sneakers is about thirty percent, and then um, streetwear is like the rest there, so ten to twenty percent. Wow, that's like that seems surprising to me, but really dope. I mean, the big thing is, I would have guessed sneakers would have been a higher percentage just because the dollar value is higher, but I guess you're just not selling as much quantity. Yeah. It's kind of like, if you think about it at the, at like Rose Bowl, for example, like how many, how many, uh, hanging shirts up high do you sell versus how many mids do you sell? Like there's not a lot of sneakers that kind of sit in the mids category, roughly speaking, there are mid sneakers, but that's another story. So what's the lowest price sneaker that you're selling? Uh, probably 
we do like steals like under a hundred usually every other day. Um, but like our regular sneakers kind of lower end would be like one fifty to like two twenty somewhere around there. And then obviously all the way up to the 2,700. All the way up to the 2,700. I think we have a Which, pair like, of the there's, Dior. There's... Oh, you have those? Not in, I think there's a pair. There's a pair on the website, I believe in Edmonton. I don't think they're in this. <laughs> and those are like 10 K or something. What are those worth? Uh, they were at 10. They might be at 12 now. I... Nice. <laughs> Um, okay, well, let's divert off the store topic for a bit here. I want to know about Tom. I want to get inside your head, Tom. I want to know about <laughs> ground control to Major Tom. Yeah, oh, um, God. <laughs> let's, uh, I want to know about your personal taste. Like, you know, I know you're, you're a vintage buyer. And, like, what, what is your personal vibe? I know you have the collection of the 88 Olympics. Like, what other stuff are you really into? And what, what uh, floats your boat, bud? Like I'm not, I'm not a crazy collector. If I'm going to be straight up, I buy like everything I buy, I try to wear or I buy it to wear essentially. Um, there's the 88 Olympic stuff, which I just buy cause it's cheap and, uh, it's, uh, just cool. Cause it's my hometown. And like, I don't know, I've just vibe with it. I just kind of started collecting it and it's just ballooned from here. So I just keep going. With it. Um, but my, game. <laughs> yeah, I know. But my biggest collection would be like the all over print athletics tees. Uh, I've been trying to get uh, one of every NHL team for quite some time. Um, that's my biggest collection. I usually wear a ton of like band tees. Like I have a Blink 182 shirt on, which I have several of those and a few other like emo bands from my like time as an emo kid. Um, I'm trying to think just like honestly. It looks cool. I obviously have skate and snowboard stuff too, but uh, it's harder to find and it's higher price sometimes. So tell us more about the bulletin stuff. You know, I get them quite often. They're AOP sports shirts, Canadian. Mm -hmm. It's a Canadian brand, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Do you know much about the company and like how many actual hockey teams are there to collect? I mean, so they were, uh, man, forgive me. Cause I don't know a ton of the history. I just think the shirts are cool. I don't even like hockey all that much. Like I'm missing the flames playoff game right now for this. And I'm like, not too fussed about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Come on, dude. This is this vintage and stuff <laughs> podcast, dude. Yeah. I'm not going to miss this. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I, I believe they were around for like a short bit. I want to say like late eighties all the way up till I think the only licensing I've seen is ends at about 94. Um, and like, I don't even know like if they're available at stores. Cause like all the big shirts are like one size fits all, which is generally a promotion thing. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. True. If I were to guess they're probably around like six, seven years. They're probably swallowed up by like, waves which is another canadian sports licensing company or like woody sports or something like that and then just kind of you've probably heard me say this but waves is like right down the road from my old warehouse oh that was waves yeah we've done waves before yeah oh my god i was like looking up the owner on linkedin (laughs) no shit yeah because i was Um, gonna bug him to see if he had any old stuff but i guess you i mean there, I did take a lot. There could definitely be some stuff. The warehouse is big and it's kind of like this 
massive warehouse with pallets and pallets and pallets of stuff everywhere. Like no way mm-hmm. we were going through it all. Uh, you know, he's like an older Asian man. I don't even know where from. Um, okay. But man, when I go in there, he's one of those guys that like will talk your ear off for like like so long. I'm like, dude, I just want to like go dig in some boxes. Like enough is enough. I don't think he's trying to like sell us like the new sh- the new shit that he's making. And he's like, no, you can yeah. sell like all these like new Canucks things in your store. Like buy these glasses and these pencils and this and that. We're like, dude, no, we don't want that. <laughs> That's uh, crazy. I mean, I didn't even know they were still around if I'm honest with you. I know they had like recent stuff in the 2000s, but I haven't seen anything recently. They, I think like they've lost the major licensing deals and now they're just mm-hmm. doing like smaller private label shit and whatever they can get their hands on. Wow. That's um, crazy. That's so funny. Yeah, Interesting. Well, so yeah, bulletin, <laughs> it's funny that you only, you rarely see any other sports for bulletin besides NHL. Like I, I recently had a, um, MLB, I think like the mm-hmm. white Sox shirt. Um, but I can't remember seeing like NBA or other licensing stuff. It's just, uh, it was very focused on hockey. It seems like. Yeah, I think it's because it was a Canadian brand. Because like, there's a Blue Jays one that pops up from time to time. Um, so maybe it's like because the Blue Jays and probably the Expos, I think, at that time were like in Canada. They were like, okay, well, we'll do some, you know, uh, baseball teams as well. But obviously, no NFL uh, here. So I've never seen CFL one either. So they probably didn't do that. Yeah, that'd be cool. That was so. Be- in the shop, have you had any weird experiences over the counter now? Like any, like just weird people trying to sell you shit or like, uh, or weird things that have come in or like any experiences that stand out to you? Like that was fucking next level. Well, definitely a few things come to mind. I mean, there's this one guy, super nice fella. Um, if I were to guess he might be kind of like a street dude like a homeless guy um but he just like randomly came and sold us a carhartt jacket and i gave him money for it and he was like super stoked he's like oh thanks man like i'll be back and i was like okay um people say that all the time so you're just like yeah sure whatever um <laughs> but he, he and every other week and he's like got another carhartt jacket for me or carhartt pants and he's like i got these beautiful ladies blouses and i'm like Nah, like those are like from Pennington's. Like we're not really interested in those sort of things. So, and that's the the other one that was crazy yeah. actually happened yesterday. So, I had the um, hello sir or madam. I am sportswear company DM. Uh, happened in real life, actually. What? So, what? <laughs> yeah, dude. Guy comes in with his family, kind of like that's poking awesome. around a little bit. He's, uh, he's, uh, and then he just like kind of walks up to me looking at me. I'm like, I'm like, all right. Hey, like, what's up, dude? It's like slides his phone over. It looks exactly like the picture that they send you of like all the like sports where he's, he's like, I, I can get you sample. I, I can get you sample. And I was like, what? And he's like, you need more. You want make clothes? Like I can get you sample. And I was like, oh no. Like we just do like secondhand clothing here. And then he just kind of takes his phone and then walks away kind of rummages through some stuff and just like leaves it was so weird <laughs> the dms aren't working anymore so now they're sending yeah. they're sending agents there's agents <laughs> in the field that's what I, like honestly he was like 
it was so weird and like just like i don't even know but yeah that was a <laughs> that was a strange over-the-counter experience for sure wow interesting yeah so I want to – so, by the way, stoked that the news is back, okay? I'm stoked the news is back. Uh, obviously, you've been busy and I'm um, – yeah, I'm obviously very stoked on your on your success. Makes me makes me happy. Um, you did mention on the news the latest – by the way, thanks for the shout-out too. You gave us – the old clothing show got a shout-out on the news and yep. Hogan. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hogan's one of the few, like, lives I would actually watch, like, more or less, yeah. <laughs> Kirby are so funny, so I like actually am entertained while I watch it instead of like some guy like shirt, a thousand dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah, the lives. You know, it's uh, it's getting interesting out there, and mm-hmm. I have to give Hogan the shout out, which is coming back every other Monday, which will be this Monday, maybe the day this podcast drops. But anyway, every other Monday, Hogan's back Instagram live, but. We, uh, yeah, you talked about this, the, the kind of the war on live selling on your, uh, news episode. And right now Mm -hmm. there's a, there is a war, you know, and there's more than one, but it seems like the two leaders in this battle are pop shop live and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Now, what are you? Yeah. Let's talk about this. What's your thoughts on this? Like I'm pretty biased because I haven't looked into Pop Shop much at all. Um, but uh, you know, from from first glance, both of them like obviously a much better platform for selling. Just in general, like you know, payments go through it all. They're all automated. Like all the shipping information is there. Like it gets sent to, you know, you can run it through ShipStation or whatever their version of that is. That part is great. It. It's just the the thing is like you have to get this person to open the app just so that they're shopping, which I think is a bit of a stretch. But I don't know. I'm not the average consumer, so that could be a little different from. But um, from what I see, it's like I see a lot of people saying that they're, and I don't see a lot of people saying that they're on Pop Shop. So take that what you will, but that's what I've been noticing lately. Yeah, I'm noticing the same thing. And it's funny because if you would have asked me like say six weeks ago, I would have been like, no, mm-hmm. Pop Shop's like the, the Pop Shop's the leader, the winner, they're taking over. And then all of a sudden yeah. there was like this switch and everybody went on to whatnot. I know mm-hmm. whatnot was sponsoring um whatnot was sponsoring uh uh Thriftcon. Oh really? So, like I, I believe from what I've heard, insider stuff, whatnot has way more money. They have a lot yeah. more money. They have a lot more invest investment into the company. Um, Pop Shop. I was actually approached by Pop Shop back in the day to kind of get on. They were, and then Pop Shop's also paying people money to get on. So they're both kind of like just out there, like grabbing at people to try to get these people on to promote it to like make these apps fly. Maybe they'll mm-hmm. both live on, or maybe one's going to win out and one's going to go under. Who who freaking knows? And there and there's there's other apps too. Like there's Network Frank, uh, Frankie's on Network doing some live selling, like special drops on Network, which which is similar, but it doesn't have auction capability at this point. And it's oh, definitely more sneakers and streetwear than like vintage at this point. Yeah, um, and yeah, because round two's on on Network is they're on there, yeah. 
And then yeah, there's but, other, I've seen some um, other stuff popping up that obviously aren't doing as well as these two, but mm-hmm. yeah, one thing I to mean, note is like, I've watched some of the whatnots. I've watched Pop Shop too. Mm-hmm. Like Chris is a couple times I've tuned in. Obviously Chris gets big money for stuff because Chris has this follow, right? He's literally, and I even watched, uh, I watched Monarch Studios on Pop Shop. Oh, okay. He was getting like, okay money but still i was like this seems kind of low people on whatnot are getting like five bucks for garments oh yeah and i'm like and i mean yeah it's kind of nuts like i mentioned it in the video but it's like oh and they just split vintage and thrift so now they're two different categories too which is something smart because that was annoying yeah yeah because yeah you're getting and kind of like gap shirts or like whatever the fuck um but uh yeah like when you when i tune into like if i open whatnot just go to a random live i'm like okay some show me something like middle of the pack maybe has 14 viewers or whatever it's always like four dollar shirt ten dollar shirt three dollar shirt four dollar shirt which like is good i guess but like I don't know. Doesn't seem very profitable for the seller. I mean, are you getting these shirts for free? Maybe, but then still, you still ship them all. Like, fuck, it's a lot of work. That's insane. I'm like, how do you make money at this? (sighs) That guy, um, the one dude out of Florida. um, I'm gonna what? Do you know what I'm talking about? Tekken, yeah, Tekken. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he was saying that he has somebody at his store on there mm-hmm. all day, which I tried to find it because his store is not called Tekken Sports. His store is called something else. Yeah, it's um, called the um, it's called the Spot Coral Springs. I've been watching them a little bit. Oh, you did. So, are they getting money for stuff, or is it the same? It's the same, but it's like, like you know, Tech is like he's like you know sense into each thing. So, like if he can clear it out, like he's laughing you know what i mean yeah i guess that's the game like sell enough you'll make a few grand in a day but it's a lot a lot of items and you got to have the labor to move that stuff so yeah Mm -hmm. it's very interesting to me you know how this is playing out you have a lot of people on there just ripping through racks of product selling it for like very cheap and then like are they going out and buying a bunch more to do it again for five bucks a piece i just don't see how that's like feasible yeah, you might as well just like negotiate down someone's like five dollar pile at every market you see, and then you can throw them all on whatnot. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I wonder if it's like, I mean, the market's obviously down. Like we're down. We're in like a low point. Not a low point, but like the fluctuating mm-hmm. prices. You know, you know, like we're we're stabilized again at like a normal level. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. But I wonder if all these people just like dumping all this product on whatnots and stuff is like affecting the market because it's just, it's like almost overwhelming the amount of product being sold on there. Yeah. But if you look at it, like it's not good stuff that's going for like a couple bucks or like, you know, three, four dollars. Like it's, it's like low end mids essentially. So like they're kind of going not for the right price. Like you could probably make them into 10, 20, $30 in a store. Um, but just the ability to like get a guaranteed sale, like time after time, I guess is advantageous for the time being, but I don't know if it'll affect like the, the mid to micker to 
high end market all all that much, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, okay, everybody, everybody listen to this podcast. We want to know your thoughts on this subject. Put them down below in the comments. I haven't even I haven't even asked you guys for comments on the podcast in a while. So just go comment something. Do it fucking now. <laughs> we need engagement, people. We need engagement. <laughs> Quick intermission here. A word from our sponsor. Bidstitch. Today I'm telling you about an event Bidstitch is partnering with. Faded in Rhode Island, just outside of Boston, May 28th. Check out Faded, sponsored by Bidstitch. Check out bidstitch.com. Sell your products on there. Go buy vintage on there and all that good shit. Back to the episode. Speaking of this, kind of like you know, mids to high end, like obviously your store, you're selling, you're selling regular product, regular vintage tees and regular vintage. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, do you move like some higher end stuff and does the higher end stuff come through the door? Yeah. Like it's random when it does, like we have a lot of, uh, so there's a pretty decent amount of vintage sellers in Calgary. Um, pretty familiar with most of them. Uh, if not like friends, but, uh, you know, they have a bunch of stuff, haven't been selling it. They'll kind of drop it by the store, like a duffel bag or whatever. And, uh, you know, we get a lot of stuff that way. Um, it's always surprising. Like we have some, just some people who, um, are into fashion and vintage is part of that. So they end up buying, you know, sort of not the hyper specific, but, you know, I've had random guys who drop off like a bag of Supreme teas and then they'll have like, you know, uh, 89 grateful dead in there in an XL. And then I'm like, what the hell, where'd you get this? And they're like, I don't know. I followed this like grateful dead guy on Instagram and I bought it off him. You know what I mean? So we still get some of that stuff coming in. Like we sold one of those Harry Potter teas today, I think for like pretty decent price if I remember correctly. So it, it kind of comes and goes still, but it's always surprising when that higher end stuff ends up coming in. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Let's uh, speaking of the sellers in Calgary, let's give the people your um, your guide to vintage shopping in Calgary. Ooh, okay. Uh, obviously, drop by from another. Uh, there's first stop, another always whenever you first stop, you gotta go spend all your money there, and if you have any left over because it didn't fit, then you can go to the other places. Uh, <laughs> so uh we're downtown calgary on 17th ave uh which is kind of like the shopping bars district essentially um down the street a few blocks another spot called hg vintage um he has a huge store that's chock full so if you can't find something at our shop you can definitely find something there um there's another spot called newish which is a bit of like a mintage mall sort of vibe um it's a collective of i think six to eight vendors that's usually rotating through there's a lot of ladies stuff there uh once you're done there you can go over to roadrunner vintage um good friends of mine who kind of have that bow they have a boho furniture store downstairs as well as like a sort of leather sort of like 70s vibe which is cool and then across the river there's another shop that's a collective called La Freak. Um, and it's very like X sort of, uh, you know, all sorts of sizes and shapes, um, vintage store that has like a very eclectic collection, um, that, uh, if you can't find anything 
like if you don't want anything normal, you should definitely go there because they'll have something unique and interesting for you. Oh, and on all the events that happen, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and um, so let's talk about that. You threw an event, right? You're you've been throwing an event for like what couple years? Yeah, I think like a year and a half. Like we don't do it a ton. It's called Bloom, um, but it's just like a little outdoor market that we do. We usually get like I think our biggest one was about twenty four vendors um vintage uh we get artists we have uh ceramicists pretty much anyone that sells cool shit will bring get them to come we usually have live music and like hot chocolate or food trucks and stuff like that too but uh i don't know if vancouver's this way but we've probably got god there's got to be seven or eight different vintage markets that happen like every week weekend essentially these days vancouver's weird it's not like that at least, you know, we have the Granville, Granville Flea. That's obviously mm-hmm. the big, like, hype-ish market. Those guys kill it. Um, dude, I can't even tell you another another market in Vancouver. Like, there's there that's was something so called weird. the uh, East Side Flea that was, like, more like a boho vibey kind of market. But I don't I don't even know if they're running anymore. And they, they had, like, a s- set place they would do it at. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's like typical flea markets, but they're not like market markets. So Vancouver's ripe. Vancouver's primed. <laughs> hmm. If only there was someone here that uh, ran a very me. big uh, vintage program or vintage show. Yeah, it's that's so weird, especially for women's. You'd think like they would have like, man, they can make do so well in van. That's crazy. Yeah. So stay tuned, everybody. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Damn. Uh, everybody loves to talk about like or loves to hear about um hype hype the hype the the most expensive thing you've ever sold we want to know tom uh you guys are gonna be very underwhelmed uh <laughs> now i've i've had a few of those um the megadeth aops i've had two of them uh those both sold for i think 450 and 550 respectively to uh tie buyers i believe uh but my favorite find that was pretty big was i found a 50s or 60s gwg uh chore coat actually that was in like super mint condition uh found it at a thrift store for seven bucks and i end up flipping that one for regrettably for uh 350 Ooh, the gwg eh yeah, that was yeah. As soon as it was one of those things where you see the notification that it sold on your phone, and you're like, "Man, fuck! Why did I sell that?" And then I shipped yeah, it so off. So, do you have you had any GWG come in the store? Uh, not yet. No, like we've had like some of the run of the mill like '80s jackets um, that we that I just had like personally that I put into the store, um, but nothing crazy. There's um. Another guy, another shout out, um, Wild North Trading Co. He's down in Black Diamond, which is just south of Calgary, but he's kind of like the denim master, I'd say, of Calgary. He, like, he had get fine. What's his name? His name is North Trading Co. His name is Cam. Wild North. He's a really nice guy. Okay. Yeah. We also got to give Tim cool. a shout out. Oh, of course. Yeah, Tim, uh, third wheel vintage, good homie. Uh, used to have a store in Calgary. Would uh, money at Drew for packages from time to time. 
Yeah. Shout out to him for throwing the money. Uh, <laughs> shout out to him for being a good guy. And also you'll catch him, I guess, now at some of these events popping up around town. And who knows? Maybe he'll make a comeback at some point. Yeah. Once he's and done you running can catch him. Basement. You can catch him. Uh, yeah. Lifting weights in his basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Trying to go toe to toe with Avantini. So there's a battle out there for who can lift the most in a vintage T-shirt between Avantini and, uh, and Tim. Didn't Avantini deadlift like 550 the other day? That was I was very surprised. Yeah. Airhorn for Avantini <laughs> for going ham at the gym. Uh, even though I'll still whoop your ass, son. <laughs> you got the reach advantage. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. I, I was shocked. I'm like, damn, he's he's crushing. So those guys and Tim's coming for him. Tim's like, I ain't having this. I ain't having this. Oh yeah, yeah. And I seen he just put up like, I don't know, four fifty or four seventy five or something. So yeah, he's a he's a big so beast. I feel like he won't plateau quite at the same level at Avantini, right? <laughs> Time will tell. Yeah. So if you want to talk about, you know, watch, watch, watch it progress, then you can like give us updates on the news as things happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, well, I want to talk about uh, um, being a boss. So, you know, it's something I talk about all the time. I talk about a lot of different people. What's it like so far for you um, hiring, managing your staff, any issues coming up? And like, you know, give us, give us a vibe. Uh, it's been pretty good so far. Um I will say I'm definitely the kind of person that uh, leans toward being like more of a friend than a boss, which I think is probably going to bite me in the ass in the future. Um, but uh, yeah, like it's, it just sucks when you have to kind of like boss around people, which are like kind of your friends at the same time. Um, especially when like, you know, they're doing something or you have to kind of like discipline them. You know, it, it, it sounds like dadish, but the, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the dad of the store sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I see that, you know, not that I see that in you, but I, I mean, that's a common like thing that happens because it is tricky, you know, and I feel like when I first opened stores, it was kind of, it's tough because you, you, you want to have fun at what you do. You want to have fun at work and so there's there's definitely things about being a boss that aren't going to be fun Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and it's like you like i've just been trying to get like find not find essentially better ways to say things like instead of like can you go do this for me you know what i mean or like selling and like douche um it's it's about like finding creative ways i've been finding to sort of remind people about like what they're doing and things like that. Shout out yeah, to my staff totally. already. <laughs> Airhorn. Airhorn Air for, for the staff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it has to be done and it has to be like a respect level there, right. Between you, you and them, of course, and not just mm-hmm. like them respecting you, but you respecting them. I think it's like a mutual thing. Right. Um, and then, trust as well like trust that 
they, you know, they'll handle what they have to handle, which could be like stocking the shelves or pricing, whatever. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously you want to be able to count on them for that, you know, and then there's things that they need to be able to count on you for, which is like paying them for one thing. That's important. (laughs) (laughs) We already Um, had one of those mishaps. Yeah. (laughs) But then also like, uh, you know, other things, like if you say you're going to do something for the staff Mm -hmm. or you're going to say something's going to happen, like, that trust it goes both ways, right? And I think that that's yeah. like I'm not saying this happens with you, but this is just my experience. Like, and it's happened with me in the past where I realized that I was dropping the ball a lot on like maybe not following through with things that I said I was going to do. And but I'm then I'm expecting them all to fo- to to follow through with what they're telling me. Mm-hmm. So it's like a it's like a, it's a it doesn't work essentially because the trust is gone. So yeah. I think building trust is like hella important. Yeah, I think so. And I, I'm, I do have issues with um, romantic to do things, uh, which sounds so basic and silly, but uh, I just uh, get hyper-focused and, you know, I'm on a task and then something else. I didn't finish that other task. And, you know, sometimes that original you know, is something that I promised I would do for the staff. Like, I'll do this, you go do that. And then they come back and, they're kind of like, what the fuck? Like, I just work super hard. Like, what are you doing? Um, so yeah, a hundred percent something I need to already work on. So sorry to my staff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's pretty common, man. It's something that not a lot of people think about. Like so too many people from my experience and I was there be- previously, but you, we bosses can expect like, the, the staff works for me. They're supposed to do whatever I say. This is how it goes. Da, 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 da. And they lead with like this fear. Again, not saying this is how you, you run the shit, but this is typical right. of like human nature. We run with, we, we lead with fear or like, you know, I'm paying you. You should just do what I say. I don't have to do shit. I'm not accountable to you. But in reality, if you want, if you want a, a functioning workplace and you want things to, to be, you want to live in that happy scenario and have a good culture you have mm-hmm. to be accountable just as much as they do. Um, mm-hmm. And I've definitely learned that one the hard way. <laughs> and, and I lean a bit too, too much towards that side of things where it's like, like they go to take out the garbage and I'm like, Oh no, I'll take out the garbage. Like I, I should be doing that too. And I have to understand like, it's okay if like, you know, you don't take out the garbage cause you're the boss and like, it's okay if the staff do that and you never do that. Like, that can be okay. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel that. And I feel like a lot that happens a ton. Cause we kind of like there's managing and then there's doing a lot of times management thinks they're managing, but all they're doing is doing everyone's shit. They're like, I'm working so hard. I'm running this place so well. But you're like, you're not really, you're just like doing the stuff, but your <laughs> team isn't doing the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you're not really even managing; you're just like doing all the work. <laughs> and then there's like this, there's like this entitlement, or like I don't know if entitlement's the right word, but like um, sense of accomplishment or sense of like entitlement, kind of where you're like, I worked so hard, mm-hmm. I you should pay me more, you should praise me more, or whatever it is. But yet the job isn't to do more; the job is to manage more or manage better. Right. So it's kind of like, uh, it's interesting. 
um, and that ends up being a habit. Like I've been there and I know I've had management that, that goes that way a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, and you're managing managers at this point, which I can only, that must be incredibly difficult. I mean, um, yeah, for sure. It's, I, I enjoy it now because I've like kind of figured it out and we're at a happy place with it, but it's the same thing. Like I can't do their job. They need to do their job and then they need to have their staff do their job. Right. So <laughs> yeah, managing the managers. <laughs> so is, there's good is sorting, yeah. is sorting like the biggest, I don't want to put this in a rude way, but sorting would be the most like grunt esque work that you would do these days. eh? Uh, yes, for sure. So I do a lot of yeah. sorting. <laughs> I, still that's go, like I, still, I, I still do picking when I'm on trips and I still do like a couple days here and there and go buy from suppliers. Um, but yes, grunt work, definitely sorting. I do a lot of like backend grunt work, which isn't like physical labor, but it's like tedious bullshit, like website stuff and different things like that. Um, and then I find yeah, myself in a shitload of meetings. Like, I'm yeah, I, I don't miss meetings. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some meetings are great. There's like creative meetings when you're like, you get to like have fun and just like come up with cool ideas and shit like that. And mm-hmm. then there's meetings that aren't fun sometimes that are like, you know, when you have to have the hard talks or the annoying talks. And right. Yeah. Those ones are <laughs> We had an, uh, an impromptu meeting, I think it was last week. Um, just like all my staff ended up being in save for one person at the end of the night when we were just kind of closing down because they talked to me about like how our parking kind of sucked and they had a very good point, but then it ended up turning into like this creative meeting about like, well, I think this is what we should do for the store. And I think it was what, this is what we should do for the store. And I think this should go here instead. And for like an hour and a half, just like bullshitting about what we <laughs> we should do inside there that's epic dude and like yeah it sounds positive and productive it was yeah yeah and like i was glad that they were able to like uh you know talk to me about how you know there's some stuff that sucked at the store and i was like yeah you have a very fair point and i can't disagree yeah, yeah. um it's not you know I think that's awesome that you did that you had that because that's very important. Like a lot of times people don't even listen to the staff, right? They don't even get to have a voice. Um, mm-hmm. And that's like one of the number one leading causes of like toxic culture, right? When you look at like a healthy culture of a business, being heard is like a huge thing and having a voice within a company, no matter um, if those ideas are used, but the input being able to just give the input is, is, is massive. Right. So yeah, dude, I think that's fucking rad. There's very there's something unexpected. right now. Do you, do you have formal staff meetings? Have you ever had any? No, I haven't had one, but now I'm just, maybe that's uh, something <laughs> we should coordinate. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's something right now called, uh, like I've been listening to some podcasts on it about called the great resignation. We're like seeing the most people in history right now quit their jobs, which you're yeah. a part of dude. <laughs> cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> at least you went back, you're back in the workforce. Uh, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're actually creating jobs. So that's pretty rad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll just talk about this for one sec. So yeah, this great resignation, people are putting this term to it. It's like the most people in history quitting, you know, and everyone loves to throw blame on it and like kind of bitch about it. You know, and I even like I was getting a coffee today and she's like, I need staff. What the fuck? I can't find any staff, you know, and it's a pretty common topic to bitch about for business owners. Yeah. Now, uh, the re- people love to say that it's because nobody wants to work anymore. This new generation is like entitled. They're all just making money as influencers or I don't know, Bitcoin, even though now they've all fucking lost all their money in that. So. Um, whatever excuses people love to make about it. But I think the deeper issue or what it really is about is these people are, have had enough working for shitty people. That's why they're quitting their jobs. People want to work for, for jobs where they feel valued. They want to work for jobs where they feel heard. They want to work for jobs that fulfill them, fulfill their like creative needs or fulfill their, uh, social needs. Mm-hmm. Um, notice I didn't even mention money because in the end of the day, like we, we need money to live. We have to have like a basic living uh, amount of money, but money is not even on the spectrum of employee culture. It doesn't come into play when you talk about like workplace culture, all those other things do. Um, so it's just interesting to me, like how, People are having the wrong conversations. They're like bitching about they, – they blame them instead of owning it themselves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's yeah, the first step is like as a boss, you have to kind of own your business. It's your business. There's nobody else going to do shit for you. It's it's you. It's your business. you got to own what happens in it, and that includes the staff. <laughs> yeah. It's like like – I don't want to throw shade or anything. It didn't vibe with any of the people that I worked with in my day job. And I know like fine, but like if I had like a few homies that worked there, it would have made everything so much better. So like that, that part you said about, you know, having a good culture, like, you know, not a family at work, but like, you know, having a place where people, can come and like make friends and like also work at the same time. Like that's what makes a great job. Honestly, like I stayed at the skate shop worked at for so long cause we didn't get paid shit. Like I would drive 30 minutes uh, to work for three hours. Like I made like no money, but like when you work with your best friends, it's like, well, I get to hang out with my best friends and talk about skateboards. Like this is great. Like, I don't, you know, I don't care. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's very interesting to me. And I like, I, I nerd on this shit. Now I go through phases of what I'm nerding on, you know, right now I'm nerding yeah. on, on, uh, on workplace culture. <laughs> <laughs> well, great nation. TikTok was on like my for you page for like quite some time. What's that? I don't even know if I've seen that. Um, well, I, I don't know if that's a, but it's just like, I was not liking my job and then I kept getting watched them. But like people hating their jobs. So like it just kept feeding oh, me like it's more like, videos yeah. of people like being like, This is a great resignation and uh this is uh why we're all leaving. And I was like, Yeah, we should all leave. And then I did. 
<laughs> oh, that's fucking sweet. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I, last topic I want to jump into here is um, the 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 group, dude, and. You know, it's kind of like been a long time since we had that group. Jeez, it's like two years now. It started at the beginning of the pandemic. Is that right? Pretty much like a month into the pandemic or something. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So we're all, we're like just over two years since we had the group. So the group was um, the vintage mastermind group that I put together. We had like 40 people probably sign up, but then in the end it really was like, 15 to 20 people that were like dedicated to like actually showing up for the meetings mm-hmm. and kind of doing the work. Um, so yeah, like in your, in, like, do you want to like kind of describe like what we did in the, in the group and like in, in your memory? Yeah. Like, so it was a mastermind group, which was like, uh, I don't, you know, the definition, but it's just like kind of like a bunch of business owners that get together and sort of like work out their problems and kind of like an open forum talk about different uh strategies for their business blah 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 but like my recollection of it was we were just kind of like all a bunch of like vintage and clothing resellers that kind of got share like strategies on how to sell like on different uh you know ideas on like i don't know just different aspects of the business essentially Um, and then I think we had like weekly or monthly challenges or something like that, where we had to like think different or, you know, create a business plan or like that. Yeah. Uh, totally. And yeah, yeah, we ran it. I think, I think we did it like three months weekly. We did for three months every week we met, I created like stuff we would talk about that week. And then we would have challenges for the week. Like, you know, got to step outside your comfort zone or you got to like go try to like find a mentor or like different things that would propel you further in your life. Um, Mm -hmm. And I literally just like made this shit up as we went. Like I was like, I had an idea of what I wanted to do with it. And then I kind of just was like, shit, I got to come up with something for this week. And I think, I feel like some of the stuff was like rad. And then there was some, there was some soft weeks for sure that were kind of like maybe not as (laughs) valuable. But um, when I look at that, Again, like the whole the whole fucking thing for me was like stepping out of my comfort zone because I'm like I'm inviting all these people into like do this thing that um, I'm just creating here. But it was awesome to get the connections. Like I'm friends with you now because of it. Um, Tim was in it. Uh, Ava was in it. Amy was in it from Whistler, who's killing it right now. Just opened right. the store. Shout out to uh, Amy, um, Velvet Underground. And lots of other people, like all, there was people all over America. Like it was, it was fucking cool. I thought, and yeah, some of those, you know, we all were sitting at home doing nothing anyway for a lot of that period. And um, the connections were rad. And I feel like I'm, I'm pretty responsible for like all your success, Tom. Yeah. Uh, Just well, playing, my guy. <laughs> I mean, okay, okay. So I will say, <laughs> uh, so one of the weeks was, because um, uh, the the really the best thing that you said was content should be what is it? It's like entertaining, uh, informative, or something else. 
Yeah, it's the uh, it's the pillars of marketing. It's like uh, you're either you're either uh, motivating, you're mm-hmm. you're teaching, or you're entertaining. Yeah. So you you challenge this week is to uh, do something like that, and I think not that week, but like later on, I was like, okay, well, this is good. Like, what's something in that I can do in vintage, and thus the vintage news was born which like propelled continuity <laughs> to much bigger and greater heights. Right. That's so I, owe mad, you a bit. Dude. I, d- I never knew that one. Yeah. <laughs> but that, um, I also, um, I did like a little talk for like a reseller thing too. And that was something that I like made sure to share with everyone in the, in the discussion was on your media. Like you have these kind of like three different options and, you know, if, if what you're putting out there isn't really doing any of those things, like maybe you should rethink uh, there. Um, very cool. Very cool. I love to like hear when those tidbits like like resonate with people. And that, yeah. that that's a super important one. And I think when you start to put what you're doing through those lenses, it, it changes, right? Because now you're like, you're okay, like, why is someone going to fuck with what I'm doing here? Like what's the value? It's got to be value. And those things give value, right? You really have to like take a step back and you're like, you're like, okay, I've just been like put on the floor for like three months. Like there's no other, there's no wonder I'm not growing at this point. Right. Totally. Tell us about that talk. I, I didn't have it on my list, but I did see that you were doing that. And I thought that was super cool. So Somebody reached out and it was a reseller kind of program that you got involved in. Yeah, it's, it was organized by, uh, the vintage hunter. Um, uh, she put together Sarah from, Oh my God, Sarah, I'm so sorry. I don't remember your, uh, handle, but I'll show you out later. Um, they, they put together this like essentially week long zoom, classes more or less that you could take uh each each day focusing on a different um aspect of reselling and then they brought in a bunch of panelists um that they thought was on it uh, talk about uh the different things so one was like how to source i think another day was um organizing your inventory another day was like how to manage social media uh my day was like how to step up your reselling game and then I think there was one more one, but uh, yeah, there were limited Zoom classes that you can that you could attend. You might be able to buy them now. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm gonna have to buy yours. <laughs> it's silly. I I put a bunch of memes in it. <laughs> well, and <laughs> the other thing too is so it was me, uh, this other gal from Calgary, and um, uh, one of the guys who runs TSM, like the the street market in Toronto and yeah. he's like a 21 year old phenom who like is this like giant uh clothing show in uh that has like vintage events and shopping malls and they have like contracts with like Chinook Fairview and all this stuff so I go on do like little silly perk memes and then like professional wearing like a jacket and stuff and it's like super informative and has a great presentation I just Felt like crap. <laughs> oh, Tom, you did. You didn't have a PowerPoint ready. You didn't have it like pie charts going. <laughs> uh, no, there was no pie charts. I did have a haste 
put together a uh, PowerPoint though. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay, come on. That's pretty good. That's one skill you, pro- you probably can bring from your other job into the vintage world, PowerPoint. Uh, yeah, pretty, yeah. PowerPoints are, uh, not my forte, but I can do it. Okay. We are going to go into the Instagram questions. Okay. We did a shout out on the old IG. So anybody could ask Tom their own personal deep, dark questions. You ready? I hope so. This one comes from Budo's Closet. Would you rather wear a pair of salvage that never breaks in or Disney t-shirts forever? This is like, what's the oh. would you rather question? I love it. That's, That's my a, favorite game. Uh, uh, salvage denim, I think. Salvage denim. So you'd be like, at least, at least you are. Uh, at least you'll still look good. Like that's that's important. It might not be comfortable, it's a but classic you look, good. look. Yeah, being at a wedding wearing a Mickey Mouse shirt is this look. I will say. But a Mickey Mouse shirt under a blazer, and it's not as cool as an Alien Workshop shirts by any means. So, yeah, hundred percent. Good choice. <laughs> okay, so this one comes from Chris the Thrift Fiend, uh, aka Bombin, oh, a Vancouver homie. Who changes his Instagram name like every week? Bombing. Why the fuck do you keep doing that when no one knows who you are ever? Um, so <laughs> I know lots of those guys. Uh, he he says. I guess he's an old Calgarian. He says, "Is the vintage game competitive? Competitive in Calgary? I'm considering moving back." It's a little competitive. Um, everyone, there's a lot of like. Right, like everyone sort of has their regular routes that they take. If I were to put it that, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, I go, I go Chinook, then I go Southland, then I'll go up to Airdrie." Like that's kind of my route for picking. Um, but Bomb, I think you said his name is. There is a bins opening Bomb. in Calgary this summer. Bombin is a bins opening in Calgary this summer. So uh, once that's open, it'll be free reign for everybody. It's Goodwill bins. Goodwill bins, yeah. There's a winds up north, but it's pretty trash. Okay. Interesting news. You heard it here first on the podcast. Calgary bins opening up. <laughs> this summer. Uh, this summer. Next question from Steph J. Wilson. Is this one of your friends? Uh, yep. Okay. Favorite beer? Um, fuck. I've been really, this is like so trash of me, but I've been drinking a lot of PBR uh, with a side of orange juice lately. Uh, and then I mix it into a brown. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So, a little sus. <laughs> a Pilsner, classic Pilsner with an OJ. Are we going fresh squeeze OJ? Are we going store-bought, no pulp? What's the vibe? Uh, actually, this evening I had one and they gave me uh, – it. And then all the pulp floats to the top of the beer and it's pretty nasty. So I'm going to go no pulp. Oh, because the foam Uh, pushes it up. Yeah. And then you get this foam pulp mixture that's like yellow at the top. It's gross. Okay. Okay. You you called it a brass monkey? Is that what that is? Yeah, because isn't that – that's a – you should know. That's a a Beastie Boys song. Brass monkey. Yeah, but – no, I know the Beastie Boys song, but it's it's, that song's made up for the the drink. 
New Brass Monkey as where you get a 40 and you think of orange juice, like you and the homies, and then you all pop, drink like the next bottle, and then pour orange juice to make the rest of the 40 bearable. If that's what it was, I have never done it. Have you ever done it with a 40? Okay. My younger D-Gen days. Damn, I got I don't even drink anymore. I never had this experience. Now I feel like I need to start drinking again to have the OJ40 experience. I've drank a lot of 40s. Um the brass monkey though <laughs> eluded my childhood. Shit. What about the Edward 40 hands? <laughs> yeah, I did. I've done that. And I've done I've done the whole wizard staff or whatever, you know. Oh, but, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. So you've done most of it. I mean, come on. I've done, I've done a lot of it. Okay, this is from Connor Messick. Connor Messick on the old IG. Why is the average vintage – this is a good one. Why is the average vintage seller very elitist slash rude? And again, this you is guys, saying they're all, you guys are all rude and elitist. But it's <laughs> so. Okay, I like to think I'm, I'm not – I try my best not to be rude. But I think will – this question was d- directed at you? For being rude, I don't. I don't think so. I don't recognize that handle. So, not okay. Um, okay, cool. Uh, you guys don't see our DMs every day, which, like, if you saw the amount of like innate stuff we have to deal with from time to time, it can be a little grating, which leads you to be a little jaded and rude. So, I will defend some IG sellers um, for reason. Um, uh, shout out used to do uh used to post like him telling people to go to his website like every day which like would make me laugh because they're just like how much is this can i buy that can i do this and you're like dude I and he would just like just go weird. to my website yeah all day every day he would just post those screenshots um so it, it can be super frustrating I get the idea that the, this there's a limited amount of stuff which there is but um you know it can make people a little gatekeepy from time to time um because you know if they're feeding their family by selling vintage um more and more sellers coming in can make you believe that it's going to diminish your salary essentially and help you make you struggle a little harder to feed your family which would be difficult true um this is a funny subject elitist and rude so at, at, at the office before sean quit before i moved my warehouses i was like okay mm-hmm. guys today i'm just gonna like crush them with kindness in the dms right i was like i'm gonna go stupid hard i'm gonna go like and if, if i like if i did this to you guys it was a couple people, i don't know no one would even know but so what i would do <laughs> is like I, you know i would try to i would sell a few things on instagram every day post a few things and then I'd get a DM about it and I would like, I would go to their profile. I would go to the profile, like look at who they are, be like, and then I would like compliment them on like some shit. Right. I'd be like, (laughs) yo, like, yo, I love that fucking car you have. That's sick. Like I always wanted one of those straight up, like like open, like a rapport with with the person. I swear to God, my sales that day were fucked. Like I had like a 99% sell through rate on everything I posted. Cause I was like crushing them in the DMS. Okay. (laughs) So I will say that I'm not always like that. A lot of times I'm like fucking busy. I'm like giving one word answers bullshit. Cause I'm like, I'm enough with this. Right. (laughs) <laughs> but 
it's like you can make the choice to go that route and be like again it's like it's like uh there's a lot of ego at play ego at plays a lot of role in our lives in general right it's very out there and you can like start to acknowledge when you're like making a decision or a move through ego right and it's like are you are is it more important to have your ego fulfilled or is it more important for you to make the money when you like look at it that way you're like fuck what's gonna get me to my goal here um it's probably by crushing them with kindness in the dms anyway that's my that's my sense on it but i mean the time or strength to do that all day no it, it depends like your business model and what you're up to for sure um, but again, if it's like, if someone's asking you about a $500 shirt mm-hmm. and uh, you're just going to send back like a quick, like $500 thing, da da da, or are you going to like type out three more sentences that, that are probably going to get you to your, your, your fucking sale. It's probably worth it. I don't know. Judge this is body. the most hard. This is the most hard hitting question of the night. Okay. You ready for this? Okay. <laughs> this yeah. comes from. This comes from cool. Oh cool no, this is from Anthony. Yeah, okay. uh, what age did Tom develop clothing brand awareness? Clothing brand awareness, Tom. What age? Ooh. <laughs> I'm gonna take this seriously, even though I know Anthony's messing around. Uh <laughs> Uh, I will say probably like, I think grade eight, I started dressing myself and that's when I was like, okay, it's, I'm aware I have clothing brand awareness at this point. I'm going to buy fallen shoes and skinny jeans. Nice. Uh, okay. I need some pictures, Tom. We're putting that up on the, uh, up on the screen during the podcast, <laughs> you and the, and the skinny jeans, please. Oh my God. Uh, that's funny. It's like. There, well, you know, I have kids now, so there comes a time when when self consciousness kicks in. You know, like when you go from mm-hmm. being like just pure, like fucking wild and crazy uh, kid to like then like worrying about what people think. Yeah, and it's kind of like kind of sad in a way, but I guess it hits people differently, right? I mean, my kids are pretty chill about it so far, but. Um, yeah, it's interesting when that like kicks in for people and like how seriously we take it, you know, or um Yeah. And even I bet if you looked at your kids' class, like you could tell, you know, which of them have brand aware brand awareness at this point, you know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. Tom, so is there anything else uh you wanna quickly chat about or give shout outs? This is the this is the time. We're nearing the end. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, I will say I'm I'm so sad. Avantini isn't around. You guys were like the dynamic father son duo. It was it was so funny. Okay, you know I was thinking about I was thinking about Avantini today. Um, you know I was drinking my coffee, Sean. I was missing you, man. A tear a tear welled up, Sean. <laughs> Um, but I was like, dude, you gotta come up to the, you gotta come up for just a fun day. We'll just spend the whole day fucking around. (laughs) It honestly probably helped your productivity if we're honest. Uh, it definitely made things fun and light. Um, not gonna lie. It was good times. It was good times with that, Martini. 
He still worked for the company, and like there's still opportunities for Sean in the company. So he's he's around. I don't see him as much, and we'll get together soon. Make magic. (laughs) Seventeen TikToks. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. No. um, Any other any other topics you want to bring up? Uh, no, I think that's everything. I won't keep you, uh, keep you much longer, but, uh, shout out all my Calgary sellers. You guys know who you are. Um, Oh, I wanted to issue a challenge. I thought of a challenge cause I know you. Oh, do wicked dude. I love it. Let's yeah. Go. Okay. Uh, my challenge, um, uh, I like, I want to start a mastermind group cause when you're talking that, uh, last from, um, Tilly? yeah, Tilly. When she was talking about her mastermind group, I was like, damn, that sounds sick. Like I could use that. So I want to start one, but, uh, easier challenge. If you don't have one already, start a group chat with your vintage homies. Um, we have one for the Alberta boys. Uh, it's just like, it's like fantastic. Like, you know, maybe you post your phone today. Maybe like, you're like, is this worth picking up? Like you can grow stronger as like a little collective. Um, you gain friends in, in that way. You might learn about, uh, new markets that happen. So start a group chat with your, just your vintage homies. That's the challenge for today. That's sick, dude. Uh, I am not really in a lot of those or any that I actively participate in, but I do know, um, a bunch that are like running in Vancouver, like people tell me about them and yeah, Mm -hmm. like apparently, um, you know, it's there's nobody, you know, you can't like talk to your homie who works at McDonald's and expect him to like relate to you in your business. We, we work in a very unique business. You want to have uh, a crew that you can talk about the weird and unusual things that vintage sellers get up to the weird challenges we have and have people to bounce it off. It's uh, it's invaluable. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, uh, the homie Lane, shout out by Vintage, um, found like crazy Jurassic Park AOP at the thrift yesterday, sent it to the group chat. You just get everyone's like, yo, congrats. Like, that's crazy. Everyone feels good. It's just a great time. Nice. Any yeah. other shout outs? You know, shout out to from another crew. Obviously, we already gave them the shout out. Yeah. Shout partner. out to from another uh, .ca, follow us or visit the website and buy stuff. Shout out gem.app. Uh, if you guys aren't using that already, uh, it's the best way to find comps for vintage or just find what you're looking for to buy. Found bulletin AOPs that way. So check it out. Nice. Okay, <laughs> we'll end it there. Thanks again, Tom. Cool. Thanks for having me on, Drew. Appreciate it. Yo, everybody. Thank you guys for tuning in. Much love as always. Sorry about the glitches in this episode. You know, um, Tom, buy a new computer. Your computer sucks. Sorry, dude. But uh, everyone has to suffer because of it. Uh, we were able to salvage the episode even though it didn't record properly. But hope you enjoyed it. I thought it was a wicked episode. I had a great time chatting with my good friend, Tom. If you guys want to support the show, all you got to do is go join the Patreon. But I actually have an even easier way for you to support the show right now. Patreon is a big commitment. You got to sign up month to month. You get that bonus content, but it's still a big commitment. So you know what's not a big commitment? Using my Amazon link. 
I am not an advocate for Amazon, but I know a ton of you guys are gonna use it anyway. So if you're gonna use it anyway, go copy and paste my link, bookmark it, give it to your girlfriend, your husband, whatever, and you're gonna buy shit anyway, and then once in a while I get a check in the mail. It's super helpful for me, I appreciate it a lot. Um, and yeah, go shop F and Frank, tune into the next episode. Not sure who it's gonna be yet, but it's gonna be a good one. See you guys later.